Again, good morning. Great to see you. My name is George Davis. If you've got a Bible, I'm going to ask you to join with me in turning to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Well, we're now launched into fall. We just had Labor Day. And I don't know how your Labor Day was. Uh, My wife and I actually spent, thank you, uh, we spent Labor Day in Doylestown. Now that we are now in this empty nest stage of life for us, and one of the things that means is just some more travel. We're looking forward to that. So there were a couple of places, we, a couple of tourist sites we wanted to visit in Doylestown, PA. I've gotten information off the internet about times, locations, cost, and all that. So we headed out to Doylestown mid-morning on Labor Day, and our first stop was a restaurant that had been recommended to us for an early lunch in Doylestown, Pennsylvania. We get there, park the car, get into the restaurant. I go up to the host counter, and the first thing he does is look at me and say, do you have reservations? And that is when I realized I had missed a step in the planning process, right? I mean, we knew where the restaurant, I never thought about looking it up or trying to figure out if I needed reservations. And so we ended up going to plan B. We found another restaurant where we didn't have to wait 40 minutes to be seated. And I tell you that story for this reason. Have you, have you ever missed an important step, right, in a planning process? Or do you know that feeling of taking something on, but you miss a step? Some of you are back in school now. And do you know that feeling of walking into a final exam or a major test and you you start to see the exam, and that's when you realize, oh my goodness, there were, there were these formulas I forgot to work on, or there was this worksheet I forgot to review. You know that, that feeling of going into a test, or you missed a step? Or how about that feeling of you've ever tried a new recipe, and you left out one ingredient, right? And sometimes it's amazing the difference one ingredient makes. Are you, you've done a home repair project and you get to the end of the project and you've got extra parts. Do you know that? You know, I got the kit. I'm going to end up with, oh, that's not a good feeling. Are you worked on your car, but you get to the end of the project and realize you didn't seal a part properly and you've got to go back and do the entire thing again. That's happened in our house with much wailing and gnashing of teeth, I would add. So do you, do you know that experience? You've done something and, and yet somehow in the midst of this process, you realize, man, I missed a step. The reason I'm asking you that is we're, we're now in this series entitled For One Another. As we saw last week in, in the words of Jesus, Jesus had this amazing vision that that what he was doing through his work that we ultimately know is the work of the cross, through his work he was bringing people back to God. But Jesus had this vision that through his work he wasn't simply bringing people back to God, he was, he was actually creating new communities. New communities like this where people could really love one another, where people could actually be for one another in various ways. That, that was Jesus' vision. And not surprisingly, then, as you read the pages of the New Testament and the writers of the early Christian movement, you will, you will, if you pay attention, you'll see that they, they are fleshing out this vision that Jesus has in very concrete ways. And one of the ways we see them fleshing out this vision is through a variety of statements that are recorded in the New Testament that talk about how we are to be for one another. 
to love one another, to forgive one another, to bear with one another, to be at peace with one another. And what we're doing in this short series is just looking at several of these statements, learning what it means to be for one another. So for instance, this morning, we're going to look at this statement in Ephesians chapter 4, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. And I think as we're going to see in a moment, among other things, I think when Paul talks about bearing with one another, the expectation for us is that we will be transparent with one another, that we're going to be transparent in our relationships. And now for some of us, that's encouraging to hear because you think, I mean, for you, a high value is transparency, it's authenticity. For others of us, maybe that's a little awkward or scary to hear because you're thinking maybe, is church really a place where you can actually be open and honest with people? Are these really the people where I can be open and honest? And that's, that's a legitimate question. However, here's what I want us to see. As we talk about this this morning, as we talk about being transparent, more generally as we talk about being for one another, there is an important step, an important framework that we cannot miss. If we miss this step, if we don't get this framework, then all the specific examples in the New Testament of being for one another will become more awkward. They, They may become legalistic. They may become harder. So there is an important step that we cannot miss. Just like you've known processes, recipes, home repair projects where you have missed a step and you know the consequences. Please keep this in mind as we talk about being for one another. There is a step we cannot miss. And to show you what I mean, let's now come to the middle part of Ephesians chapter 4. Now, if you're familiar with Ephesians, you know that when Paul gets to the second half of the book that is beginning in chapter four, he becomes very focused on talking about what it means to live out the good news of Jesus Christ. What what does it look like to live out this new relationship? And he talks in very specific terms. There are lots of commands, directives in the second part of the book. And much of the book at beginning in chapter four, also it just focuses on relationships, particularly our relationship with one another if we are followers of Jesus Christ. Now, in understanding this part of the book, there's, there's always an important principle we need to keep in mind in reading the Bible, and that is pay attention to the context. Pay attention to the context. So what I want to do is I want to walk you through the middle part of this book and just show you kind of the different building blocks And then I want us to see how they go together. And as we see how they go together, I think we're going to see um, this step that we need to make sure we don't leave out. So let's start, not by going to chapter 4, but let's back up just a little bit and go to the end of chapter 3. Because before Paul starts talking to us about how we can be for one another and even how we can bear with one another, be transparent with one another... We need to notice that right at the end of chapter 3, there's a prayer. And the prayer really kind of, I think, divides itself into two different parts. First, notice uh, verses 16 to the middle of verse 17. Here's how Paul prays. 
I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, this, this really, it's, this is a prayer for power. He's like, you know, I, I pray, I'm praying for God's power to be at work in your life through his spirit. And he's praying that, that Christ would kind of deeply live within each of us as believers in Jesus. Now, at one hand, you could say, well, well yeah, but I, th- I thought that happens when we become followers of Christ, that, you know, that God's spirit comes into our lives in a tangible way. And that's true, but, but what Paul is praying for here is, is really something more. He's, Paul is praying, it's like, I, I pray, that, I pray that, that Christ isn't simply going to be present in your life, but that he's going to bring about through his power just an amazing work of transformation so that more and more you and I reflect the character of Jesus. I mean, he uses a very strong word here for dwell. I, as I read this, I, my mind goes back to, some of you heard me say this before, that our experience as, as a family a few years ago, we remodeled our house. We actually did this four years ago, particularly the kitchen on the first floor. And we had already lived in the house four years when we did this, but, in, but um, you know, a few years ago, we had a, a very major remodeling um, process, and, and we finally redid the kitchen in a way that really reflected our lifestyle, our commitment to entertaining. And, and so in many ways, it was only, we had lived in the house, but it was only through that remodeling project that the house became ours. That's when it really became the Davis household. And in a, in a similar way, Paul is, Paul is praying that if you are a follower of Jesus, that he's praying, that, praying for power, that, that Christ would take up residence in a transformational way. So that really from the inside out, more and more, you reflect the character just in terms of how you think and how you understand life, how you relate to other people. So this is a prayer for power. But notice what happens in the second part of this prayer. <laughs> Because notice what Paul prays for. And this is where this prayer really gets interesting. Picking up in the middle of verse 17. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. This is a prayer to know God's love. Now just just stop for a minute and, and, and soak this in. Because I think if we're honest, Paul prays in a way we wouldn't normally anticipate. If you were about to give people a lot of directives on what it means to follow Jesus, wouldn't it be natural for you and me to say, and I pray that you love God more so that you'll be able to do all that I'm about to tell you to do. That's not, that's not how Paul prays. Paul does not pray, I pray that you would love God more. Paul prays, I pray that you would know more of the love of God. Right? It's, I, pray, it's, I, I pray that you would be rooted deeply in the reality of Christ's work for you, of God's love, and that those roots would grow deeper and deeper. And notice he prays for that for us corporately. It's not just individually. That as, a, as a church community, those roots would go deeper and deeper. And I think Paul would say that's how we grow up in Christ. 
I think Paul would say, when he talks about coming to the fullness here, I think he's talking about maturity. So in essence, I think Paul would say the journey of maturing as a follower of Christ is the journey of learning and going deeper in God's love. So this is how Paul prays. I I want you to know more and more of Christ's love. I want you to know that you're deeply loved by God. I want you to know that he truly knows you and he deeply loves you. And it's like Paul looks at you and looks at me and if you're a follower of Christ, he's saying, look, this, this is what needs to shape your self-understanding. Now that you are a believer, you can no longer understand who you are without first understanding who God is and what he's done for you. You can't truly understand yourself without seeing that you are known and loved by God. Author Klein Snodgrass has has put it this way. We know ourselves only by knowing our God. Knowing ourselves is less important than knowing who made us, calls us, goes with us, and knows us. And so that, that's Paul's prayer. And and what I want you to see is this is this is kind of the building block, the first step that sets up the next step. And And often this is the step we overlook. So Paul prays, he prays for power and he prays that they're going to have a growing understanding of how they are loved by God. And then therefore he moves to chapter four and we get to the next section and just notice real quickly how chapter four opens as a prisoner for the Lord. Then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. So this first block is all about growing in our understanding of Christ's love. And then in the next block, Paul starts to say, and here's what it looks like to be a follower of Christ. And kind of one of the first things he says in being a follower of Christ is, I want you to bear with one another in love. And when he talks about bearing with one another, I think um, he means sticking together, not abandoning relationships at the first sign of trouble or the first complication, not simply running away from hardships, conflict, complications. And notice he talks about this in the context of community. And I mean, he talks about this in the expectation that in, in the course of life and church, you know, there can be conflict and disagreement. And in the midst of all that, we are to bear with one another walk alongside one another in love. And I think particularly now for us, included in this is an expectation of transparency. And by transparency, I mean an unwillingness to hide. I mean, we need to be open to the fact that, you know, so often in relationships, it can be easy for us to hide. We can hide behind humor. We hide behind sarcasm. We hide behind busyness. We hide behind keeping things superficial. But if if, if we are going to bear with one another, if I'm going to bear with one another in a relationship as Paul describes here, I think it implies some level of knowing one another. It implies some level of the mass coming down. You see, it's hard to bear with one another if we're always self-protective. 
It's hard to bear with one another if I'm hiding behind an image that I seek to project. It's hard to bear with one another if we don't really know each other. So when he talks about bearing with one another, he's saying don't run at the first sign of things getting complicated. Be willing to be for one another in the ways that the, the hiding goes away. The walls come down. The masks come off. And I think this means that church is to be a place. It's not going to be a place where all of us know everybody. I mean, that's not a realistic expectation. But it is to be a place where there will at least be some relationships where I really know you and you really know me. There will at least be some relationships without pretension, without hiding, without facades. And therefore, then in the midst of this connection, in the midst of this intimacy, we can really be for each other. So I think that's what he's getting at in the second block. So now, let's, let's start to pull, kind of start to put the building blocks together. So this first block, Paul said, it's a, it's, it's a It's a prayer. I I want you to have the power of God at work in you. And I want you to know more and more that you are loved by God. And that then leads to, therefore, I want you to be for one another. I want you to bear with one another. I want you to be transparent with, with one another. But once again, what I want you to see is this can be the missing step. Even throughout this series, as we talk about different ways we can be for one another, if we only hear that and we hear the kind of the different concrete examples, but we lose sight of this step, we lose sight of the fact that as believers, we are loved by God and, and that, that love, I think, enables us to take these other steps. If, if we don't see this step, these, these other steps in the New Testament just become more complicated. You, you see, it's, it's the prayer for God's love in chapter 3 that provides the ability to be for others in chapter 4. And particularly as we think about verse 2 of chapter 4, I think one of the things we need to understand is this. Um, when we are rooted in Christ, we can be transparent with others. When we are rooted in Christ, we can be transparent with others. You see, it's the fact that, that in some sense, I'm understanding, you know what, I'm deeply loved by God. I'm deeply known by God. That's the framework. That's the step that I think truly enables us to bear with one another. That's the step that enables us to be transparent with one another. As we are rooted in Christ, we can be transparent with one another. And that's, that's really what I want you to see this morning is that as we're rooted in Christ, we can be transparent with one another. Let me just show you what, what, this is, uh, what this has looked like in my life recently. As I mentioned already, so Rose and I have entered this new season of life, this new chapter of life, sometimes referred to as the empty nest. And Thank you. I've had a number of people going, how are you doing? I've even had two of my sons call me this week, Dad. How are you doing? And they've asked in such a wonderfully parental way. I've, 
I just appreciated that. I just wish in the course of those conversations, I just asked them to send money. I think that would have been, I think that would have been the perfect response to those. And you know, I mean, obviously some of you have gone through this and, you know, I think the, the different adjustments, we're having a great time. Um, but I do have to say in turning the page on this chapter and entering a new season, however you want to describe it, for me, entering a new season of life is just a natural time to look back on the last chapter. And as I look back as a dad, um, there is just so much for which I'm grateful, so many memories and experiences that I cherish, and so much that I'm able to look back on with fondness. I mean, among other things, just the way as, you know, as our sons grew up, as they got involved in different things, just the way that was stretching for us as a family to you learn about new things from music to sports to robotics, all of that's been part of our family journey over the last few years. I think about all the times I was riding in the car with one of our sons and they would be playing music off their iPhone and the conversation would always go the same. What was the name of this band again? Right? We have that, I just go, what was the name of this band again? And sometimes, of course, the band names are very interesting, right? Well, Neutral Milk Hotel. And then I would go, what? Neutral Milk Hotel? That's a crazy name for a band. Dad, you know, they would, we would have those wonderful conversations and I miss them. But I've got to be honest with you. Um, even as I look back, and there are just so many fond memories and so much that I can look back on with a sense of joy and celebration. I also see things I wish I'd handled differently. I also see things I wish I'd been more intentional about. I also see things I missed. I also see times I thought I understood my sons, but I didn't. And I'm going to be honest with you. As a parent, this can be hard to look back on, on these kinds of things. Because I think if you're a parent, let's just be honest, particularly as your kids are at home and growing up, if you're a parent, so much of your life is just, it's connected to your kids. It's connected to that role. In some sense, this really plays into how you understand yourself, how you understand your identity. And with parenting being such a big factor that can play into our sense of identity, it can be hard to look back and see things I wish I'd done differently. It can be hard to look back and see things that I missed. So here's where this step, at least for me, becomes very important. This prayer that Paul prays in chapter 3, this step that really comes before the step of investing in relationships, this step of growing in your understanding of God's love. For me, what this means is, is even, you know, however I look at myself as a dad, as a parent, and, you know, however you look at the different things that are part of your life and the different things that perhaps influence your identity. It's what this step means is I can never see this in isolation. And by that, I mean this, I can never just talk about or think about myself as a dad. I have to see myself as a dad who is deeply loved and deeply known by God. 
And that phrase always has to be added. That phrase always has to be foundational. That this is who I am. Yep, things I look back, wish I'd done differently. Yep, things I look back that I missed. Yep, things I look back where I would say, I thought I understand them, understood them, but I didn't. But in all of that, even as I look back, I need to understand that I am someone, I'm a dad, deeply known and deeply loved by God. And for me, what that has meant is that even as a family, we can have just some pretty open conversations. So at our, our family had the opportunity to travel together several weeks ago on our vacation. There were, there were just a couple of conversations where we talked about some of this stuff looking back. <laughs> I brought up some stuff. Our kids brought up some stuff. And I'm going to be honest with you, it is not easy to have your adult son look at you and say, Dad, I wish you'd done this differently. It's not necessarily an enjoyable conversation. But I will say, in the midst of those conversations, we had the opportunity just to continue to build into these relationships. We had the opportunity, just even in the midst of some of them, to, to laugh, to push back. We have the opportunity even to talk about, okay, now as we move forward, now what do our relationships look like? Even to kind of say, okay, guys, now as you're becoming young adults, how do you help me understand your vision of what parenting a young adult looks like? And it was just a fascinating conversation. And, and actually these conversations, I think, have just continued to plow ground to deepen the nature of the relationships. But I would tell you, what helped in taking that step was knowing that I'm deeply loved and deeply known by God. What helped in taking that step was knowing even as a dad who has made mistakes and you look back and say, I wish I'd handled this differently to understand that God could still be at work in those situations despite those mistakes. So when I'm rooted in Christ's love, I'm empowered to be transparent with others. Now understand me clearly. I don't think, I don't think Paul's expectation was this. I don't think Paul's expectation was, okay, I want you to become really this super mature Christian. And only when you become this really super mature Christian who has this amazing understanding of God's love can you follow the commands of chapter 4. I, I, don't think that, I don't think that was Paul's expectation. Instead, I think this was it. Paul was saying, look, I want you to grow. I want you to grow in God's love and your understanding of God's love in such a way that you're able to take next steps. I mean, it's not that you're going to figure it out. And Paul implies that there. There's always more for us to understand. There are always deeper ways to understand the love of God. He even describes it as, you know, it's, it's knowledge that surpasses understanding. That doesn't make sense. Yes, it does. He's saying you're never going to get to the bottom of it. But what he's praying for is this. I want you to understand God's love in such a way that you can now take these steps. I want you to understand God's love in such a way that it's going to empower you 
to in some relationships truly take the mask off to be transparent with others. And, and that's, that's God's vision. That's God's vision for us as a church. That's God's vision for you if you are a follower of Jesus to be, to be rooted in Christ and Christ's love in such a way that you can be transparent with others. Now, I realize in saying this, you may say, okay, I kind of see what you're saying and I kind of see the flow of the passage. But maybe there's just part of you internally that says, should I really take this seriously? Why would I take this seriously, right? It's so much easier to play it safe. Furthermore, some of us have been in situations where we've maybe been vulnerable and it's been used against us. We've been transparent, it's been used against us. So why should I take seriously, seriously this idea of, of bearing with one another? And, and I think the implication of being transparent with one another, why should I take that seriously? Well, I would just say this. When we go back to the opening pages of Scripture, we see the entrance of sin and brokenness into God's world, into his creation. And clearly the result, the impact of that sin and brokenness is separation. It's isolation. We see that in the opening pages of Scripture. And in a real sense, I would tell you this. Satan's will for your life is isolation. Satan's will for your life is separation. And the truth is, when you and I are isolated, we are vulnerable. When you and I are isolated, we are vulnerable to Satan's lies. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because some of us can describe situations, maybe even now, where it seems like we get stuck in a pattern where certain negative messages play over and over in our minds. I don't measure up. I'll never get it right. I've blown it and I will never recover. I really don't deserve God's love. I don't deserve God's grace. Likewise, shame may be a significant part of your life story. And shame is a liar. Yet we get stuck in those lies. You see, when we are isolated, we are vulnerable. Yet Paul says, look, I want you to grow deeper into this love. And and I want you to grow deeper in this love together. And I think Paul's vision would be that, you know, as we understand God's love in such a way that we take next steps that hopefully in the context of those relationships, as we are bearing with one another and open with one another, the very experience of those relationships can continue to deepen our understanding of God's love because These relationships in and of themselves become one place where we experience God's love. So it becomes this 
ongoing journey of, of experiencing and going to new understandings of God's love that move me into the lives of other people. And hopefully in that journey, even those experiences deepen my understanding of God's love so that one step follows the other. So I think we need to take this seriously because we are designed for connection, not isolation. Finally, if we're to take this seriously, you know, what exactly does it look like? Maybe another way to raise the question, or word the question is, so where do I start? And I think as we look at, at Paul's expectation of marrying with one another, being transparent with one another, a good place to start is just to do a self-assessment. You know, are, are there relationships at work in my life where I can really say, you know what, the mask come down in these relationships. My guard comes down, the facade comes down. For instance, when something goes wrong, do I have someone I can easily talk about it with? Another question, do I have a friend who can drop in at any time without calling ahead? Here's a very real, uh, revealing self-assessment question. Is there someone else who can accurately name my greatest fear and my greatest temptation? Do I have someone or some group with whom I meet regularly? Do I have a friend I know well enough to trust their confidentiality? Now, some of us can say, you know what? There are relationships in my life where this is at work already. There are relationships in my life where, you know, when you ask those questions, I can think about specific people. And if that's the case, I, I just want to encourage you. Can keep, man, keep building into those relationships. Keep leaning into the reality of God's love in such a way that you truly are for one another and bearing with one another. But if you have to be honest and say, well, you know what? Those, those relationships really aren't part of my life. I got a lot of relationships, but I'm not sure I would describe any in those terms. Then I would ask you, are there certain relationships where, where you can take next steps? One of the things I've encouraged you to think about in this series is, okay, God, what are you wanting me to learn and where are you wanting me to invest? So if you kind of walk away saying, you know, there, there really aren't places where I'm, I can be transparent, then, okay, so... Where might be a relationship or a group of relationships where you could take a next step? Some of you are in one of our new Live, Love, Lead groups that's just launching. And so this, this group becomes an opportunity to say, okay, can I, can I start to trust these people? And what does it look like to take a next step? And if, if you can think about those relationships where you could take a next step, my encouragement is just test the waters. It is true. We have at times been in relationships where we've tried to be vulnerable, tried to be transparent, and we've only gotten burned. So I'm not saying you need to go from zero to 60 in a particular relationship, but is, is there a way you can test the waters? Is there a way in, the, in your next conversation where when you're tempted to keep it superficial, you just you take it one level deeper? Really, that's kind of the challenge I want to give you this morning is just, is there, is there one step you can take in being transparent in a particular relationship or group of relationships? Because this, this, is, this is part of Christ's vision for us doing this together. 
And I would encourage you that it's not simply about you being transparent with other people, but it's also about you being a person where it's safe for others to be transparent with you. For instance, sometimes that's just me being willing in the course of a conversation just to, as I'm hearing someone talk about something, just to kind of ask a question that takes it one level more. I've got a friend, he, he does a wonderful job of this, and it's, it's always the same question, just tell me more. Tell me more about that. Tell me more about what you're thinking. Tell me more about what that experience was like. Sometimes tell me more about where you're getting stuck. Tell me more about how I can encourage you. Paul says, look, I, I, want, you to, this is, I want you to bear with one another. I want you to have some relationships where we know each other in such a way that the walls come down, the masks come off. And you can do that because you are rooted in the deep love of Jesus Christ. That's part of the invitation that we be for one another. Let's pray together. Gracious God, as as we heard these words of the Apostle Paul, I pray even now that maybe you just bring certain relationships to our mind. Father, I, I pray for those of us that are already in groups here in our church that we can, we can have conversations about what this looks like for us as a group. I pray for us even now that, that, that perhaps you, you just challenge us in particular relationships to say, okay, here's a place you can take a step. And Father, maybe that step is... is is about being more transparent. Maybe that step is just about being more open to hear someone else's story, being more fully present in, in certain relationships. Father, I pray that we would take this seriously because your vision for us is not isolation, it's connection. Your vision is that we would follow Jesus Christ, but that we would follow him together. And in doing so, we would be for one another. May that message continue, continue to sink home in Jesus' name.